You can listen to their version, or you can listen to my version of the truth. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Jonathan, and you're listening to my version of my truth. Yay! Topic of the day, ladies and gentlemen, segregation. Yes, I said it, segregation. I know a couple of y'all ready to turn the station, looking at the looking at the radio like, did he just say segregation in this 2018? Yes, I did. But I'm not talking about the Jim Crow down south Mississippi, Alabama segregation. I'm talking about the modern day segregation. The neighborhood segregation. You know, Chicago is a beautiful city. It's a beautiful place. The architecture, the landscape, different cultures, people, food, so much you can do. So much to see in Chicago. But it seems like every nationality is in a different part of Chicago by themselves. For example, you got Chinatown, Greek Town, uh, Little Italy. Um, it just goes on and on. And I think that hurts us better than more than help. You know what I mean? Um, the news and the media portray the south side of Chicago as this violent, um, dangerous, drug-stricken place. And I'm not going to lie, it is violent here, you know, but that everybody have bad seeds. But there's a lot of law-abiding um, residents on the south side, east side, and west side of Chicago. You know, they don't they don't participate in the criminal activity. They don't indulge. And it's just like they're the residents that don't participate in those crimes or activities. They're just as scared as anyone else in Chicago. I've been in Chicago for over 30 years. Um, the south side of Chicago. Um, I've been around violence, drugs, murder, death, daily. But, you know, you don't, you can't get immune to that. You know, I walk outside scared every day. It's, I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen, but I just prepare myself and try to stay focused. But the media gives the South Side so much bad um, coverage attention they don't never speak on the good things that happen so the other part of chicago are scared of the south side they try to stay away from south siders they judge the south siders off what they've seen or heard and that builds a barrier through the city of chicago i take myself for example I, I would love to go up north and uh, to a couple bars up there, Wrigley Field, and just go sit around and feel safe in their neighborhood. But if I did try to go up north and just walk around, look, just sightsee, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't be welcome there. Um, I probably get several uh, police calls on me just because I was in the neighborhood, and I could—I don't understand that for some reason. It's like everybody—you can't blame a whole uh, part of the city for a couple bad apples, and you know it's not even. The bad apples fault really is the whole it's the whole city is one because when you have a 15 16 year old boy who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from or where his clothes are coming from his pa- his parents are drug addicts uh, there's not much to do uh, we don't have those uh 
after school programs and those good role models that's willing to step up and help people out like other parts of Chicago do. You know, everybody is out for their self for some reason and we're never going to make we're never going to make any progress with that type of mentality. You know, it's different circumstances for different situations. You know, if I was up north walking around all black on with uh, a mean mug uh, and just yelling obscenities, curse words to random people, yes, I would fear I wouldn't belong there. But if I'm just shopping or just walking around enjoying the view or just the the neighborhood, I shouldn't have to feel unwelcome. I shouldn't have... uh, It's a problem when I'm walking down the street and I see a lady walking on the same sidewalk and she clutches her purse or she moves, she makes it her point to get as far away, further away from me as possible, you know, I, I, it's like a self-esteem issue. I, I just started thinking, like, what did I do to make her feel that uncomfortable? And then it goes, now you start getting brainwashed, and you start to think that you don't really belong here. You start to think that the North Siders are better than you. Um, so, and this is the mentality of a lot of people in Chicago, a lot of people. Like, they just think it's, they think they don't like them, they're racist and all this, but it's just, people are not as welcoming as they once were. You know, uh, I go, sometimes I um, look at this, the south side of Chicago, and I just look at the buildings, the amazing uh, homes that was built. And I wonder, like, how did this happen? How how did a beautiful neighborhood turn into a block full of abandoned buildings and vacant lots and trash everywhere? And sometimes I might just go back and Google images of the neighborhood back in the 60s and my mind gets blown of how beautiful and clean and happy people were it was just i i just wish i could take it back to that place sometimes because there's no more love really everybody has a hidden agenda it seems like you can't trust nobody no more uh people take advantage of your kindness they think you're weak and that's the type of things we have to change on the south side, east side, and west side. Because as a group, a community, we all get judged as one. And this cycle is just going to lead on to the next and the next. And honestly, everybody try to say the game, game bangers came in and and messed up our city, messed up our neighborhoods. But I 100% know that there's gangs on the north side of Chicago that's just as violent, but they just respect their community. They respect their house. They respect their, respect their neighbors. You know, they keep... They try to keep stuff out of plain sight. But you come to the south side of Chicago, and you can have a grandmother there with uh, her whole family trying to have a nice family outing. And it's a group of kids living right next door. They sell drugs, smoke weed, curse, talk shit. Just no respect for their neighbors. And that's where the conflict comes in at because there we lost our parents 
I'd say the drugs took away the role models, the strong fathers, the loving mothers. You know, drugs stopped, stopped, hindered our progress. So now you got a little kid that's six, seven years old fending for itself. He really has nothing. Like So when, when you're at that point of age, you start getting, don't nobody care about me. Why should I care about somebody else? And then you get to that fuck it mentality. You don't care about nothing. You just want to, you're all for you. It's no, it's no more about the community, the neighborhood. It's I'm going to get mine and I'm going to get mine. And that's how it's going to be. And drugs played a big part of that because there's no more discipline. There's no more um, family talks. No, I haven't um, seen family dinners no more. Like nobody sit down and discuss. It's all about your iPhone or the social media, the next new thing. This summer, I didn't see one kid really outside playing, and that's so like shocking to me because when I was a kid, I was. I lived outside. I was climbing trees, building go-karts, playing basketball, some type of sports. But at the same time, it wasn't as many gunshots or murders or um, children's death, kids getting killed back then. Um, These police shootings, that was unheard of like that back then. I ran from the police hundreds of times. And they never attempted to shoot me. I don't even remember getting a gun pulled out on me. And times I probably should have had a gun pulled out on me. It's just, I think, that, and that's just a big part of the media. Like, people see certain things on TV. These police officers see uh, how bad it is. Everybody's out south or criminals. So they come to work with that mentality like you're all criminals so you don't you don't mean anything and that's not how it should be everybody should have a chance uh, everybody should have a clean slate until you prove until you mess it up don't just judge me because I live in this I'm from the south side don't judge me because the clothes I wear um, it's more to me than that. I'm more than uh Inglewood residence. I'm more than uh a game banger from the south side of Chicago. I think it'll be more it'll help us grow as a let me say um community a city and as one if we just Start getting to know each other. Um, just next time you see somebody that don't belong or you. You can listen to their version. Or you can listen to my version of the truth. Now, here's a couple tips to help you follow along with the story. I'm going to be stopping a lot saying the characters' names just to let you know who's talking. Um, stopping a lot to let you know when we transitioning from one place to another. So, I hope you guys enjoy the story. Episode 1, The Rehab. Interior, day, rehab lobby. We hear an angry voice fade in. Camera pans through lobby, stopping on a white male in his late 40s, yelling into a payphone. Ron, listen to me. Listen to me, Sarah. Shut the fuck up and listen to me, you stupid bitch. Camera cuts to a black man sitting behind the desk looking in his phone. Nick, that's strike two, Ron. I'm going to place you on phone restriction. Keep it up. Ron waved the man's off and continued his conversation. Ron, Sarah... Please, you know I love you. You know I love you and Lisa. Please don't do this, Sarah. Ron clicks the dial pad. 
Ron. Fuck. Ron slammed the phone violently against the receiver. Nick, that's it, Ron. No phone for a week. Ron, you and this phone can suck my dick. Cut to interior day. Mike and K room. We see two men in the room conversating. K, an older-looking black man, is rolling the blunt, sitting on the bed. K, how the fuck you go from doing 30 days to 90, bro? Mike, a man in his 20, does push-ups on the floor. Mike, I ain't in no playing mood right now. Mike continues to do his push-ups aggressively. K, I'm just saying, for the past three weeks, you've been talking about how you leaving in 30 days. What the fuck happened? Mike gets up from his push-ups and walks to K. K stands up. K, nigga, you mandated in this bitch, so if you hit me, you going to jail. Mike look at K with disgust. We see Ron bursting in the door. Ron, did I interrupt something? Mike walks away. Mike, nah, what's up, Ron? Ron, I need one, man. I swear I'll pay you tomorrow. Mike, tomorrow ain't promised. Flashback. Interior day storefront. We see a young Mike standing in front of a store with his little brother. Mike sees a woman walk out of the store. Mike, miss, can you spare some change? The woman look at the woman in her early thirties look at the two boys with disgust. Woman, I can barely pay for my own kids. Mike's brother. You ain't got a quarter for a bag of chip, Mike? Mike, I'm just as hungry as you. If I had a quarter, we'd have a bag of chips. Mike's brother. My stomach hurt. Mike look at his little brother with pain in his eyes. Mike, hold on. Stay right here. Mike walks in the, inside the store and waits until the last customer walks out. Then walks up to the register. Mike looks at the cashier. Excuse me, sir. Is it possible I could... Borrow a bag of chips until tomorrow. I promise I'll pay you back. Cashier looks at Mike's and scuffs. Tomorrow ain't promise. And flashback. Interior day. Mike's room. Ron. What the fuck you mean tomorrow ain't promise? We court mandated in this bitch. K laughs. K. True. Mike walks to his shoebox under the bed and grabs some. Mike. I want my money Friday. Mike throws a bag of white substance to Ron, and Ron hurries out of the room. Cut to interior day, Ron's room. We see Ron sitting down getting his heroin kit together. He shoots up and leans his head back. We hear a bell. Ron, fuck, I fucking hate group. Cut to interior day, group room. We see several chairs and people walking in to fill them. A middle-aged white man is standing in front of the class, looking through papers. Ron walks through the crowd of people and takes a seat. Stanley, hello, gentlemen. Crowd, hello. Stanley, today, are we, today we are going to discuss our goals for when we leave this place. Let's talk about our future. We see several people looking at Ron as he nods off, laughing. Mike notices it and throws an object at Ron. Ron wakes up startled. Ron, what the fuck? Crowd laughs. Mike gets his attention. Mike, stop tweaking, nigga. Ron sits up and listens to the bald man talk for a few more seconds. Then nods back off. Flashback. Interior day. Ron's house. We see Ron hurry into his bathroom and start to get his heroin kit together. He is sweating profusely. We hear a knock on the door. Woman's voice. Ron, Lisa's waiting for you to help her with her homework. Ron whispered, fuck. One moment, honey. Little girl's voice, daddy, please, I need you. Ron aggressively put his kit to the side of the door and swings open the door. Ron, come on, sweetie, let's get to work. They walk to the kitchen. Sarah, Ron's wife, notices him sweating. Sarah, Ron, can I talk to you over here for a moment? Ron gets up and walks towards Sarah to the corner. Sarah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Ron wipes sweats from his face. Ron, what are you talking about? Sarah, you back on that dope, Ron. Ron, we see Lisa hop from the table and go towards the bathroom. I can't do this again, Ron. I can't do this. Ron, I'm clean, baby. I promise. We see Ron and Sarah embrace. 
Then we hear a loud, deafening scream. Sarah and Ron race towards the bathroom where they find Lisa on the floor with a needle sticking out of her arm. And flashback. Interior, day, group room. Stanley is in the middle of his lecture when we see Ron wake up with a loud scream disrupting the class. Stanley, Ronald, you can't excuse yourself out of class. We see Ron walk through the lobby. Camera picks up on a black man in his teens talking to an overweight white man. Nate, you're not putting dude crazy ass in my room, Mr. Wilson. First of all, this is not your room. It's the state's room. And second of all, you don't run anything here. Nate, Mr. Wilson, dude is over there having a full conversation with himself. Camera cuts to an older black man in his late 30s looking in the air as if he's trying to figure out a problem. Mr. Wilson, we all have issues. He needs our help just like anyone else. Mr. Wilson walks up to the man. Mr. Wilson, excuse me, Emmanuel? Emmanuel doesn't acknowledge Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson, Emmanuel. Emmanuel snaps out of his daze and looks at Mr. Wilson and smiles. Can you please follow me to your room, Emmanuel? Emmanuel, in a British accent. Cheerio, old chap. Lead the way. Close up on Nate. Nate throws his hands up. End scene. Interior. Day. Nate and Emmanuel's room. We see Nate staring at the ceiling while Emmanuel rants about the facility. Emmanuel. How can one help someone when they are the one in need? Practice what you preach. Emmanuel's voice is raised. Practice what you preach. We see Nate look up from his bed at Emmanuel in disbelief. Grab his pillow and throws it over his face and scream. We hear a bell. Nate jumps up from his bed and runs out of the room, bumping into Ron. Ron, what's the hurry, youngster? It's only morning fucking group. Nate, my bad, G. My roommate is fucking crazy. Ron, who that guy? Camera picks up on Emmanuel, skipping past them through the hallway, smiling. Ron, I see. Cut to group. Interior day, morning. Mr. Wilson is holding morning group. Mr. Wilson, good morning, everyone. Crowd, good morning. Mr. Wilson, we have a new member. I'd like to introduce Emmanuel. Emmanuel, can you please stand up and introduce yourself? Emmanuel stands up and looks around at the crowd. Crowd shakes their head and laughs. Emmanuel sings his version of Adele. Hello from the other side. Camera catches everybody's face drop. Emmanuel continues. I'm Emmanuel and I get high. I sniff blow up my nose and smoke crack too. I came here for help. Please tell me what to do. Thank you. Emmanuel sits down and stares at a shocked Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson. Well, that was one hell of an introduction. Thanks for coming, and we hope to help. Cut to exterior, back of back of rehab. We see Mike flaming up a blunt, leaning against the building. Nate is on his phone. Mike hits the blunt. What the fuck was that shit? Nate looks up from his phone and shakes his head. Nate, that motherfucker crazy. I told Mr. Wilson don't put him in my room. Mike laughs and passes the blunt. Nate, Nate grabs it and continues talking. Motherfucker up all type of the night and shit. It's 3, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, dark as hell in the room. I wake up to use the bathroom. This nigga hop out his bed and open up the door for me. Mike laughs. Mike, get the fuck out of here, Nate. This shit ain't funny. I'm scared as hell. Nate pulls out a box cutter from his pocket. Mike, what the fuck is that? Nate. I ain't playing with his crazy ass, Mike. Hell nah. I can't believe this bitch ass Mr. Roberts making me do 90 days. Nate, yeah, they be tricking motherfuckers with that 30 day shit just to get motherfuckers in here. We hear a British accent come from out of the blue. It's elementary, my boy. Mike and Nate jump startled as they look up and see Emmanuel staring at them from the window. Emmanuel, take wine, for example. It gets better with time. Nate looks at Mike. This the shit I'm talking about, nigga. He hits the blunt and passes it to Mike. Mike, 
what the fuck are you talking about? How the fuck does me doing 90 days instead of 30 got to do with wine, you stupid motherfucker? Emmanuel frowns. The longer you are here, the more money they get from you being here. Cheerio, chaps. Cut to interior day, Mr. Roberts' office. We see Mr. Roberts, a black male in his late 40s, sitting behind a desk looking through link cards. He is adding stuff up on the calculator. He grabs his phone and places a call. Mr. Roberts, Miss Mary, can I see you for a minute? He places the phone down and, to, and continues to mess with the calculator. Mr. Roberts, this shit ain't adding up. In comes a pretty white lady in her late 20s. Miss Mary, yes, Mr. Roberts? Mr. Roberts, how many residents we got? Miss Mary, 15, exactly. He messes with the calculator again, adding stuff up. Mr. Roberts, you sure you grabbed everyone link card, right? Miss Mary, of course. Mr. Roberts, well, one of these motherfuckers holding back. Mr. Robert grabs his phone and make a, makes a call. Mr. Robert, Nick, I want you and Layla, Layla to hit every motherfucking room in this bitch until I get my link card. Mr. Robert slams the phone down and looks at Miss Mary. Mr. Robert, I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have trust your stupid ass. Miss Mary places her head down. Mr. Roberts, in Miss Mary's voice, Maybe we should let them shop with their link card. I'll collect them back myself. Miss Mary, I'm sorry, I don't know how this happened. I had 15 link cards last night. Mr. Robert goes in his envelope and pulls out a blue venture card and lays it on the card. I mean, lays it on the table, close up on the card with a white strip of paper on it with a 14 numbers and in big letters, link. Interior, day, Nate and Emmanuel's room. We see Emmanuel reading the cookbook while Nate is laid back FaceTiming on the phone. Nate, show me some. Stop playing with me. Nikki, Nate's girlfriend. Boy, who in that room with you? Nate, my roommate. But that nigga ain't worried about no pussy. He probably a virgin. Emmanuel peeks his eyes over the cookbook. Emmanuel, I beat the pussy up, 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 up. Nikki and Layla comes bursting through the door. Nick, give it up. Nick runs to Nate and grabs his phone out of his hand and looks at his phone, seeing Nikki's titties. Nick, damn, girl. Nate hops up angry and tries to get the phone. Layla steps in his way. Layla, this is a room search for contraband, and phones are contraband. Nate and Emmanuel sits while they search the room. Fade to interior, day. Mike and Kay room. We see Mike, Ron, and Kay in the room. Kay is reading. Mike and Ron are discussing the drug deal. Ron, don't I always pay you back? Mike, I only got a couple left, man. Ron, I got $5. You know I'm good, boy. Mike, shake his head. Damn, you a begging motherfucker. Mike goes in his stash and pulls out four bags. Mike, I'm picking out the smallest one. Ron, don't do me like that. Mike and Ron are looking over the bags of heroin. When the door bursts open, Mike passes the bags to Ron. Nick, what do we have here? Nobody moves. Ron puts his hands behind his back and starts to empty the bags in his hand. Nick, room search. All three of y'all getting written up. Ain't no room visiting. Layla, it looks like more than room visiting going on. Why y'all so jumpy? I think we should do a pat down. Nick, on the wall, though, things. Nick heads towards Kay and Layla grabs Mike. Layla looks at Ron. Don't move. Layla and Nick pushes Mike and Kay to the wall. As soon as they turn their back, Ron puts puts his hand up to his nose and quietly sniffs. Layla turns around and looks at Ron. Ron pretends to wipe his nose. She turns. She turns back around and Ron continues to quietly sniff. He looks at his empty hand and licks it. He looks at the four empty bags and put them in his mouth and swallow them. Nick, come on, Ron. It's your turn. Ron walks over smiling. Fade to interior, night, front desk. We see Mr. Roberts getting ready to leave when Nick stops him. Nick, 
Mr. Roberts, I found a link card. Mr. Roberts smiles. Who had it? Nick. Sasha. Mr. Roberts smiles. I'll take care of her tomorrow. Nick, no problem. Cut to interior. Nick room. I mean interior night. Ron's room. We see Ron up dancing around, listening to Phil Collins in the air. Ron singing. I can hear it calling in the air and night. Cut to Mike and K-Room. We see Mike getting a package out of the window and handing over some money. Cut to interior night. Nate and Emmanuel's room. We see Nate in the bed with Nikki while Emmanuel sits in his bed meditating. End of episode one. So tell me what you guys think. You can listen to their version, or you can listen to my version of the truth. Yo, yo, yo. Alright, we live, man. It's the motherfucking party pack. Podcast. We talk shit. We chill. We get drunk and high. You did. And we talk about real situations. <laughs> we gonna start this shit off with the stupidest shit we heard this week. Stupidest shit we heard this week. Stupidest shit somebody said to us this week. The most off the wall, most unorthodox shit that you heard that just didn't make no sense. And people really believed they self when they said this goofy shit. I got one, man. I think I got it for the day. Oh, what's up, man? I think I got this shit. What so, happened, man? Talk I'm to over me. I'm with the, with the motherfucking gang over there the other day. Motherfuckers gonna tell me. I'm trying to tell them the better way to detox is to eat more raw food like broccoli and shit to help your stomach. Mm-hmm. He told me and he swear to God that the best way to detox is to get the mucus out your system. I was like, what you mean? He was like, that's all it is when you get sick and everything. It's all mucus. I was like, man, what the fuck is you talking about? He like, it's mucus. You know when you cough? Uh-uh. Mucus. Like, that ain't got shit to do with what we talking about. He's like, nigga, how the fuck? I'm like, I'm a certified nutritionist. Like, I know he's like, nigga, Google it. I'm like, I went to school for this shit. Mm. That wasn't the cake. A dumb motherfucker walked right in afterwards. And I knew this nigga was going to be on my side. He had, hey, nigga, when you get sick and you're trying to get detox, what you ain't this mucus you trying to get out your system? That nigga looked up and said, yep. I walked out the door. I knew right then and there that wasn't the conversation I was going to win. Mucus, G. So, Mucus. so I didn't get it. What he trying to, what was, so he, you saying about detoxing, he talking about, what the fuck is he? That's on? what the fuck I'm trying to say. So I'm talking about detoxing. His, his girl, Miss girl was talking about trying to get us some healthy recipes. He talking about detoxing. I said the reason why you detox is because when you cook your food, mm. You destroy all the natural enzymes. Mm-hmm. So our bodies have a hard time digesting that mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. That's why we start getting about different um, fruits and shit that help you digest it, cleans your system. Mm-hmm. He hopped up and said, all you need to do is get the mucus out. And how do you get the mucus out? See, we didn't get to past that part. I was still focused on the mucus. Like, what the fuck did you get? Like, how the fuck is mucus covering your whole body? That's what he basically trying to say. Mucus make you sick. Makes you, like, it was just fucking weird as hell. And then everybody in the house was, was agreeing with the shit. No, I think y'all was having two different arguments. Yeah, no, mucus we, do make you sick, but no, that's we, not detoxing. No, we was talking about, period. Now, we got past, like, the sick part. He was just, now we talking about just cleansing your body, period. He said mucus... Is the shit that fucks everybody up. If we get all the mucus out, we'll be straight. <clears throat> How do you get the mucus out, though? Gee, you got, I didn't get to that part. I didn't get past that. Detoxing. Detoxing. That's how you get the mucus out, by detoxing. Eating the right food. Eating the right. 
So what the fuck type of argument was this? This shit didn't even make no sense. That's what the fuck fucked me up, man. Like it was like he told me you can't believe everything you read in books. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, so what the fuck they teach a motherfucker nowadays? I'm like, what the fuck? This shit was just all crazy. This nigga ain't get uh, it was just weird as fuck, man. Yeah, that was some dumb ass shit. That just made me think about, like, man, why the fuck am I hanging around these motherfuckers, man? Like, why the fuck can you have a conversation with motherfuckers mm. who don't want to listen? Like, man, I'm telling you, I went to school for this shit. Right. I was trying to pull up the shit in my computer and show them what we were talking. He said, I ain't trying to let hear that shit. You always think you smarter than a motherfucker. Oh, see, this personal. Man, it got personal. Yeah, it got to some other shit. It got personal. Oh, shit. Yeah, man, that was some dumb shit, man. Yeah, it's all getting out of shit. I'm like, man, if a motherfucker correct you, if I'm going to tell you some right shit, I want to listen to the shit before I go around just thinking. Want this a little more? No, go ahead. Go around thinking that's some wrong shit. But I'm not going to be spitting the wrong shit. If, mm -hmm. And constantly believing this shit, right? If a motherfucker going to tell me this shit, this shit, this the right answer. Mm. At least I can say the right shit next time motherfucker asks me. Yeah. Nah, he gotta believe mucus is the way. Mm. Yeah, that was some dumb shit, y'all. But, man, you gotta pick smarter friends next time, man. Man, it's be fun. to be the people you know and all. You're like, I'm like, I, when the fuck did I not know this shit was going on years ago? <laughs> like, this shit was like, what the fuck? <laughs> man, gee, I think, man, sometimes it be that you be so close to motherfuckers that. You look over they stupidity, like, man, so I nigga, he alright. But the whole time, this motherfucker's an idiot. Damn, damn, how stupidity influenced another motherfucker. Mm -hmm. like the other nigga walked in, mm -hmm. didn't take two seconds to even <laughs> he, think he about evaluate the situation. What the fuck was going on? He did, oh yeah. I'm like, you fucking kidding me? Man, that shit fucked me all the way up, man. Yeah, that about, uh, that about uh, wraps up the stupidest shit we heard all week show, segment of this show. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was crazy. But you know, we in this motherfucker, man. Uh, let them know who you is, man. They don't know you, man. Four Way Kelly, man. You know what it is. Tunnel Vision. Y'all know what it is, man. And this bitch, 1110. Born and raised. Artist. Writer. It's just, just a plethora of shit that he do, right? It's, I'm a carpenter, shit. I don't give no fuck whatever the fuck it is. I don't give no fuck. He do everything. This motherfucker multinational. I get out. Multi motherfucking. They call me Young Gig, looking at it. So what's your like your whole persona about the music? Like what, what you what you about, man? Like. I'm starting to look at it a different way now, man, you know, because I used to be like motherfuckers out here just garbage and garbage and all that, but I'm saying, like, if you can get there and you got some motherfucking following, you can't be garbage shit. It's mm. like, it's a, it, you made your own way to get to this motherfucking point, but just everybody, they just letting a lot of people in. But nowadays, I see the bars coming back, though. You think so? Yeah, I hear them coming back. Yeah. Uh, young boy NBA, he can be coming, be spending some shit. Motherfucking, motherfucking, um, what's his little name? Kodak Black. Mm -hmm. He spend some money. He got some shit you can tap your feet to. Mm -hmm. like, or you relate to. Right. Like, like, you know what I'm talking about back in the day that raw haul to the bank. Like, what the fuck? Right. Like, they're like, nigga, what the fuck did he just say? Like, at least they got some motherfucking, like, a, a story behind it. It's like a, a some meaning behind that shit. Mm. You can relate to it more instead of just the fucking, like, the shit the niggas just went out there and said off the top of their head. Mmm. I'm fucking your bitch and taking your money and yeah. all that type of goofy ass shit. Digging a dick. What the fuck? Digging a dick. So you got a problem with mumble rappers and, like, motherfuckers? I got a problem with people who don't put no... Don't put no time in their talent. Like, they don't put no... Effort? No, yeah, they don't put... Now, if you got this way to do it... Okay, you got there for this little weak song, probably. But now, you know this shit ain't the hottest shit out here. Mm -hmm. You can sit down and work on your shit instead of hopping in that motherfucker and trying to spit some shit. You mm -hmm. can take that same 30 minutes to sit down and go over your shit before you go in there and just say whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a big difference from that. That's the shit I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. So you do think like some people? You can you do you believe that? You know, maybe I think like maybe they can't rap like that. Maybe it's just the way they rap. Uh, that's what it be though. But like I be I be saying though like. If you got to that point, you mm -hmm. still should be able to work on your shit now. All right. You mm -hmm. know you ain't hot, man. You know if this month, if you listening to your song and a motherfucking J. Cole or somebody else's song come on, you know your shit ain't got shit compared to this shit. At least something in my body will tell me I got to work on my shit. Mm -hmm. Like something going with that. I got to work on this shit. Mm -hmm. I ain't just finna motherfucker like, fuck that. I'm gone. What, what I mean, do you? Why do you hold them? Why, why, like, why is it that important for music? For some, is music that important to you? That even somebody else's music got to be good? Like, yeah, cause music influence. Like that shit is for real. Like, motherfucker, mm. motherfucker, music can make you fucking make your whole day. One song can change your whole mood that whole day. And like you be feeling a totally different motherfucking down and out. You hear that song and now your whole shit a motherfucker talking shit to you that. I ain't worried about nothing. Now you just geeked up ready for a motherfucker to come mm -hmm. through. Like you gotta be some shit. Like you ain't gotta be the best rapper. It's like you gotta put some motherfucking, at least make that shit sound good. Make it sound good for everybody. Not just for motherfucker you think you and your crew. Right. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't really view stuff like rap like that. Like, I don't really care about music. Like, Enough to be like, damn, you, you, you poisoning people back, you know? Because I feel like we well, gotta hear that shit. I don't know, you don't. Yeah, well, we playing around. Ain't no way in hell that shit gonna. They bump the same shit all day, every day. Our every radio station play the same like fifteen songs in the same rotations. So we gotta hear that shit. Now, if you making it to this point, at least make this shit comfortable for the ears. Mm. That's all I'm saying. I feel like, man, I don't really, you know, be caring about them niggas' music like that because I don't ever really hear that shit because I don't really be in the environment to hear it, you know, maybe. But I feel like, like, just as, just as fast as you can say that about music, you should, you say, you should you say that about movies. Like, man, I feel like they just start putting certain type of movies. Exactly. Like for real, you could definitely say that. Oh, uh, okay. So that's that. what you're saying. Yeah, and like, so you take anything that's dealing with people and influencing that, that can influence and make bad, better or worse should be done. Anything that you fucking giving out is your art. Mm -hmm. Anything you fucking finna share with a person and say, here, I want you to pay for this, or I want you to do this, you should put your best into that shit. You shouldn't be able to half-ass shit. That's what I'm saying. If, you, if it's a movie you wrote, don't sit there and motherfucking just write no shit. Just sit down, fucking plot that shit out, think about the shit. Mm -hmm. Make a motherfucker, make it something that you want to motherfucking listen to or you want to watch. Okay. What about, but what about all the people that really like what this dumb motherfucker saying? Nah, that's a lot of that shit. Yeah, I, that's why I said I can't be mad at them about their music or getting to where they at. I'm saying perfect that shit afterwards. So you saying, all right, y'all, after y'all make them dumbass songs, now y'all, right, come on, now y'all, got enough money, now y'all can hire some better writers to say some deeper shit for y'all. Not even writers. You can sit down and take their time. Like, a lot of these motherfuckers feel freestyling now. They go in that motherfucker and say, man, I don't even need no pen. Where you at, cool? Where you at with? Are you out there still? Yes, she been a the only nigga that talked on the motherfucking FaceTime right. live podcast. This is a real nigga. I'm at the studio. Come on, right. man. Soon as you start cooking, I'm gonna hit. Yeah, man, real nigga shit right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, man, like, if I just, like, female rappers, female artists and shit like that, like, you fuck with female rappers? Oh, yeah, they coming up. They definitely are. They coming up. Why you definitely, why you, they, why you... One person took over everything for a minute. Like Nicki Minaj, mm -hmm. she took over the game for a minute. You didn't hear about nobody else. Now you hearing a lot of different artists come up. You hearing a lot of different mm -hmm. females pop up now. Mm -hmm. Now the motherfuckers, they like they good too. Shit, they, you, you like female rap? Like you can literally like put a female rap on yeah. CD on. You can listen to it. Yeah, oh. yeah. 
That's we need another drink, man. That's all the motherfucker got to do. So a motherfucking judge fucking with y'all, man. You. Damn, G. Here it is, Pip. This is the shit you was talking about right here. This effect right here. Look, look right here. That effect. Yeah, all that type of shit. Yeah, make no, that effect. I'm talking about for the beginning, right? Yeah. Take the resolution, man. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna cut this off. I see. 